In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Hey, hey, welcome back. Once again, we have another incredible story for you guys. So Mark, actually, I've known Mark for a good long while. We've actually become friends. He's local to me. We've done a lot of work together. I have heard this story at least three, four, five times, I think, in different variations and in different settings. And it, it changes depending on who we're talking to. But I'm excited to be able to actually take this and kind of weave it together for what we're doing here with the Narrative Podcast. And Mark, first of all, thank you. I appreciate you sharing this again with our audience. But before we jump into that, we just met. Obviously, we've met a lot longer than this, but we just met. So those that are just meeting you for the very first time, you're in the elevator. You got 30 seconds. Who is Mark Copeland? Mark Copeland is a Christ follower, is a husband, father, and a grandfather, and currently employed in the outdoor industry where I get to sell fun. How about that, brother? <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I mean, I think I love more about the fact that when we open these things and we ask these 30-second things, we never really ask about what you do. And I think that's really the indicative part of what we're trying to accomplish and the mission that we're really working here with narrative is it's always like, who are you and where are you at in your core? And so in that theme and where we're headed here now, I'm really curious where you're going to start with this, but we always start as far as with narrative, we always start with the core of what the beliefs were when you were a child, that before you entered into your adult life, what did you believe life was going to be like? What did you believe you had to accomplish? What did you believe was the reality of life, where were you at growing up? You know, the unique thing about everybody's reality is it's very different, right? And our reality changes monthly, yearly, based on the seasons or the challenges or the praises within our life, you know? My story is probably much like many other people. Grew up, I'm not a Michigander, I'm a transplant. I grew up in uh, central Illinois, did a little bit of college there, Great family background, strong family. My folks split up when I was nine. That changed my family dynamic a little bit in a big way. Got closer with my grandfather. I was the first grandchild, so I'm sure there were some benefits to that, but I got really, really close with my uncles and my grandfather on my mother's side as a result of that divorce. And the cool thing is, is that uh, my grandparents, they lived across the street in three houses down, so I knew where the cookies were stored. I knew where the fun games were, you know. <laughs> And if things weren't going cool at home, I could always dodge out to grandma's and find an escape, if you will. Can we dig into a little bit to that? Yeah, yeah. Because I know there are a lot of individuals that have gone through their parents divorcing and at many different ages, some as young as before they even realized what life was about, you know, like one or two and parents got divorced. Sometimes it was four, five, six. Sometimes it was not until teenagers life, not sometimes not until 20. But every time that that's happened, it's always had an impact on an individual's life. Did it for you? What was yeah. the impact that your parents splitting up? What kind of an impact? Ha was it positive, negative? What belief did you form about yourself and about the reality of family? Well, as I mentioned, the relationship I had with my grandparents and my youngest uncle, John, were about six years apart. 
So uh, the divorce was nine years. I was nine years old. I was the oldest of three children at the time. And I was blessed in such a way that my grandfather was an educator. And so he had the summers off. He was a college professor. And so every summer he would do a sabbatical somewhere teaching. And in fact, the year they got the divorce, uh, I went to uh, Nova Scotia, Canada with my uncle John, my grandmother and my grandfather and lived there for four months right near Halifax. Mm -hmm. So as the, the poo was hitting the fan proverbial, I was escaping it and exploring new wonders with this extended family, if you will. Uh, when I came back, the reality of not having a father at home, having a mom without transportation, having to take the little red wagon with the three kids to the grocery store for the, the basic stuff that we could get, a lot of things were formed in my young mind. You know, first you have the whole guilt thing. Was it my fault? Could I have been a better kid? Maybe I didn't do enough. Obviously, that's a bonk. Having been in a relationship and a marriage now for 28 years, I understand that, you know, Sometimes people stay together for the wrong reasons, you know, and, and on the flip side, I think some people give up too easy when they're selfish and they want to check out. So I saw my mother, strong, divorced woman, have to raise three kids and, and it was very difficult for her. So there was a lot of quick growing up, but I could escape because of that relationship that I had with my grandfather and I could just run across the street. So being the protector, being the provider, if you will, just things that you probably wouldn't think a young nine, 10 year old, 11 year old would have to learn. But then I'm no different than anybody else that's going through some of those challenges. So I think it's made me stronger. I'm probably more committed in my relationships now. I've probably built a lot of walls. So I'm uh, hesitant maybe to give too much too soon. You know, I'm working with a mentor right now through the local LLC program that you're familiar with. And this young man, He's 22, 23 years old. We have a very similar life story. His folks were split too. So it's interesting sharing my perspective now, years, years later. You know, at one point, just to back up a little bit, I remember the weekend visits with uh, dad and they were contentious sometimes uh, as he was exploring his other options in his life. And, and one Sunday after he dropped us off, he took off. I moved to Colorado. We didn't know where he was. We didn't hear from him for the longest time. And so there was a sense of abandonment there, if you will, as well. Add that dynamic to my mom, then starting to date other people and then getting into a relationship with someone else. This guy's not my father. Who is he to tell me who I can be or who I should be or what I should do? So I was incredibly rebellious not in a very emotional, negative kind of a way, but I, uh, my MO is to shut down and run away, you know, find my place in the woods, find my place outside to gather my thoughts and, and come back to who I need to be. I'm going to bounce all over here, Tim, you know, bottom line. No, I, I, I love it, but I, I, let me, let me funnel this into it as far as the focus aspect of it, because you have a good and a bad, and I feel like they're in both hands. The bad is obviously that your parents split. The good is the fact that you had a supportive grandparent that was able to actually show you some of the ropes of the life. And so you're kind of bouncing between these two worlds, trying to make sense of what life is supposed to be like and forming the way that you were going to operate. And like you just said, on one hand, you're like super rebellious. And then on the other hand, you're like, man, there's an adventure out there. I can go experience. I can, I can have that and use that almost as an escape. So you've got, again, a positive and a negative in the one whole scenario. If you were to sum it up, what would you say was your belief about life? Was it wholly like 
good? What what would be what you would what and again we talk about false narratives. What would you classify was a false narrative that you had, even though that there was good, even though there was a lot of positive, what was one of the false narratives that you actually came to believe? Well, I mentioned my grandfather was a professor at a university, so you know, there was a high expectation that I would go to college. And that really wasn't on my radar until graduation <laughs> night when I got a scholarship. Got a scholarship to go to college. Well, the the dollar value was 500 bucks. It didn't even pay for my books, right? And my priorities weren't straight at the time because I was an adventurer kind of a guy. If I could go do something and experience something, that to me was more valuable than setting things aside for a rainy day. You know what I mean? Why? Living, why would that be? Why, why is that such an important thing for you? You know, through the divorce and through some of the things in my life and then through some of the other changes, life can change on a, on a dime in an instant. It could be a phone call. It could be an accident. It could be a health problem. It could be any number of things. And it's how you process that information and those around you are impacted. That's where I would close in a little bit, you know, or I would search for other things. I was into photography. I did a lot of photography for a long time, uh, made a mm -hmm. great amount of money doing that. I explored different religions when I left home, played the drums in a band. You know, I told you that my student loan, when I got my first student <laughs> loan, you know, I didn't buy a book because it wasn't hardly any money. I got new skins for my drum set and had my car painted <laughs> because I didn't have that sense of responsibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't setting aside for a rainy day. I was living yeah. for today at a young age because tomorrow might not be there and I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So I'm going to make absolutely the most out of today. On the flip side, though, there's probably some reservation where you don't jump in with both feet right away or head first because yeah. you're apprehensive about that breakup. The that fear breakdown. of commitment. Yeah, I probably had some of that stuff going on for a while, too. So maybe the college narrative, that probably should have been uh, a little bit more. But because mom was single and I had to pay for things, if I wanted jeans and I wanted stuff that weren't within her budget, we had to do those kinds of things. And she provided for us, my stepdad, super gracious for the stability that he provided for her in our lives. You know, but it was a struggle trying to find out who I was. So as we transition into this whole aspect of what was the shift from, you know, hey, we're not going to save for a rainy day, the fear of commitment, the concern of, hey, tomorrow's never going to be promised. It's I'm just going to live for right now. I know you personally, that that's not how you live. But what started that transition? What were the things that kind of started happening, whether they were the circumstances or what started to shift your mindset? Well, one of the things, and I share this in chats, you've heard me say this many times, is that my grandfather being a teacher had said to us growing up that you will become the person you become with the books you read and the people you meet. Every single person you meet has a different story than you. And if you are humble enough to shut up and listen to their story, that you may learn something about yourself. And then he really impressed upon us the importance of reading. At that time, we didn't have the internet. I couldn't wait for the encyclopedia to come every month, the new one. You know, we went for 26 months. We got all the encyclopedias. I read them as a kid because there's so much knowledge in those things. And I found a way through reading that I could escape reality by learning about other people's stories, learning about other people's struggles, learning about how to be a better person sometimes, and, and by embodying some of those things. And the other, you know, he said, the people you meet in the books you read and, and really spend some time in the Bible, the good book, that's really your trestle board for life, if you will. That's your 
for me anyway, that's my architectural drawing. That's where my answers are. So what, you know, in the teaching aspect, what did he do to be able to teach you? Was it something that was impressed upon you? Was it words that he said? Was it a way that he lived his life? I know that there's many people that influence us. And like you just said, the books can influence us. The people that we hang around, the stories that we hear, that all influences us. But it had to start with him. So how did he influence you to make that shift? Well, just imagine you're nine years old. And this is the first time you are laying eyes on uh, Niagara Falls nine years old and you're driving in a pickup truck camping on your way to Nova Scotia in Quebec where people speak French. I'd never been exposed to another country like that. To actually see my grandfather and my grandmother in a relationship that was healthy and strong, that was a, a huge benefit. The, just the, the places that we would stop along the way, the, you know, there wasn't a historical marker or, a, or whatever. He was a geologist. He was a a scientist, my grandfather by practice. So it was always, okay, yep, that's the moon. What can we learn about the moon? What do we know about the moon? How far away is it? How big is it? All of those kinds of things. So for me, question, 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 look for answers. And then the experiences to see the Bay of Fundy at nine years old, right? To experience Halifax as a young guy. Then fast forward, I was a little bit older. I think I would have been a, uh, just before I went into high school, he did a sabbatical in Alaska. So who at 14 years old gets to camp all on the Alcan Trail all the way to Alaska? Who gets to play on glaciers? Who gets to climb a mountain in, in McKinley Park? I mean, I'm sitting three feet from goats on the top of a mountain. We're having dinner in a campground and fox run right through the center of our campfire. I mean, it's just those kinds of things that you get to see. There's so much out there in the world to experience. That was awesome. I just like, and it's amazing too when you can find so much in nature. I think we skipped that. Can you just kind of mention just briefly about that? Because it really feels that the nature aspect, the experience aspect, was the catalyst for the change that you started to experience internally. Yeah. So again, extremely blessed. My grandparents, when they moved to the little town in Illinois, he got together with four other families and they bought an old piece of property that used to be a country club. There were horseback stables and there was skeet there. There was a clubhouse, a little lake and a hundred acres. And these five families, they, we own this property. And so every weekend or evenings after school, we were out there exploring. We might be fishing. We might be planting trees. We might be whatever. And my grandfather was the kind of guy that, you know, here's the flowers and the fauna, what are they? And what are the benefits and the properties to be able to, once I got old enough to ride a bicycle, to ride the 16 miles from town to the lake, a tremendous sense of freedom to be able to go and explore some of these places. So that's probably where my desire for the outdoors came from. And then couple that with the experiences of Canada and Alaska. I mean, I lived in a tent in Alaska literally for two and a half months. If, if I could share just a bit of that with my grandkids, that sense of, man, you want to talk about unconnected, Tim, when you're in a tent in Alaska and there's no running water, you know, there's a pit toilet that you dug. Yeah. Just, yeah. Great memories, man. Can you put that into words in any way for people that may not have experienced? The reason why I'm saying this too, and I, I've actually had this situation a couple different times, the, the audience that listens, we've got people that are very much in, in touch with nature. They love the nature. But then we also have people that listen that really, truly have never been out backpacking where you're unconnected completely. Or like you just said, you had to dig your own toilet kind of a thing. I mean, it's a little extreme. 
but how how does that impact your soul? How does that impact how you develop personally? How does that change the narrative of your life? Our lives are so cluttered with busy, with so many responsibilities. And for me, being able to go sit at peace on a stream side or on a lake or, you know, I like to bow hunt, so sit in a tree stand or float a river, the peace. And obviously, I let off with I'm a Christ follower. How can you sit in this amazing world that's been provided for us and not believe in a supreme being or power that created everything? And you're just a small piece of that. Sometimes we just have to get out of our own heads, right? And the best way to do it is to to just go back to a great book I read uh, years ago, Last Child Left Inside. You think about how people have evolved. A lot of kids in the cities, they don't, they don't play in puddles. They don't run through the forest. They don't understand catch a fish or see a turkey up close. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, man. Love that. So let's transition into what you do and what you practice. What are your habits now? to write and craft your own story. And I know you're very purposeful in this, and I I know some of these practices, but what do you do on a regular basis that's going to keep your life moving in the right direction and writing the right story? Books still. I mean, you can see behind me books. I'm constantly picking up books and reading books, two or three books at a time, trying to expand my knowledge base, if you will. I love music. I can get lost in music. I play some drums and a little harmonica. I just love to listen to music and kind of shut down your brain, shut down some of that activity and engage in something else. Something just as simple as sitting by the fire the other night, looking at the stars. You you have to take some time to unplug. I still love meeting new people and talking to people. I've had trainers in the past with other jobs say, you ask too many questions, just write them down, shut up. and And then later tonight, We'll go through all your questions. But if I don't ask questions, I'm not going to know, right? I don't want to assume something because that's when we get in trouble. So, Where did you get the questions from? The questioning, where did you get that from? Oh, my grandfather all the time. All the time questioning my grandfather. He would expect us to ask questions and he wouldn't give us the answers. We'd have to seek out the answers and share those with him. So, yeah, he he instilled a lot of that in us. Be a better person by becoming better yourself. Right. And I, I know I know where your heart's at, too, when you're doing that. But I, I would also ask this. I mean, when you're saying the questions and the, but what narrative are you currently crafting? What would you say if you were to sum it up? What is the narrative that you are currently working on to have as your life? I really, as I'm later in age now with 10 grandchildren, I'm, I'm really spending a lot of time meditating on preparing my fields. I'm not going to be here forever, man. I could be gone tomorrow. I want to make sure that the spouse who I love is taken care of, and that my fields are prepared. I've been spending a lot of time on that, thinking about that our time here is is uh, finite, right? But what we can give through our, our testimony, through our sharing, through our questions we ask of other people is infinite. Long after we have passed, we've laid some groundwork for a legacy, right? And that legacy is everybody you encounter on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I'm, I'm focusing now on trying to, I tell people I'm already retired, right? You know where I work in an outdoor hunting and fishing yeah. store. And, and uh, another friend of mine yesterday said they're retiring the first of the year. And I'm the same age as they are. And I'm envious, of course. But gosh, I get to get up and sell fun, right? Isn't it almost kind of retired? And I'm still getting a paycheck, right? 
So I really can't complain there. Yeah. Try to be a better husband, try to be a better person, try to give back. What are some personal things you do to, to keep yourself steadfast in crafting that narrative? What are some personal things that you do? So I'm asking the how question, like, how do you flesh out this whole aspect of leaving the legacy of preparing the fields of how do you, how do you take care of Mark? And how do you write that story? Because that's the greater legacy that you're leaving behind. But on a daily basis, how does this impact you? It makes me a little more mindful of some of the decisions that I make in my life, financial decisions that we're looking at, uh, long-term decisions. I would say that that's beneficial, right? I just try to spend some time with me. I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of, my wife would say, worrying about things I can't control. But I think you have to spend some time in prayer. You know, for me, meditation is prayer to our Father and ask for direction and guidance every day to try to be humble and, and uh, realize I don't have all the answers and that he's put people in my path and around me to enrich my life and to help me be better and be stronger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like today, my focus is just try to meet somebody new today. My focus is learn something new today, impact someone today. Maybe it's a first fishing pole. Maybe it's a first bow and arrow. Maybe it's a a gift for a dad or a grandpa or, you know what I mean? I do. Those are do. very rewarding things. Okay. On the flip side, having a staff of about a hundred people and living my faith on my sleeve, if you will, I've had staff come in and just ask for prayer, close the door and say, Hey, I'm, you're kind of a, a Jesus guy. Maybe can you pray for me? You have to live, walk what you talk, right? And uh, sometimes that's, it's easy to preach. It's hard to do sometimes, you know? Mm. So uh, spend time in the Bible, spend time with guys. That's the other thing I should probably mention this, you know, surround yourself with people outside of your family that can hold you accountable, that can ask you hard questions, that it can encourage you. To me, that's one of the most important things of being intentional with people that are around you. Um, That also helps tear down some of those walls, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you were to sum it up, what would you say is your... The story that you're writing, if you could just kind of put it in a nice little 30 second to one minute capsule, what is the story that you're currently writing? The story that I'm currently writing is to absolutely be the best grandfather that I can be, uh, to be the best father that I can be and be the best husband and friend every day with everything that I do. Do I fall short? Heck yeah. Am I late for cocktails every now and then? For sure. Do I miss a lunch thing? Because uh, life is precious. And for me, sometimes it's hard to get away from the, the moment, especially if I'm impacting someone or helping someone. I, I relish in that. Mm. I wouldn't be where I was today without a strong spiritual woman behind me that prays for me when I'm not around. I have a strong spiritual leader as a wife, which is huge because when I can be weak, she can be strong. So I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. But like I said, being around some guys like you and Steve and some of the other narrative folks is just... Uh, be humble, be real, be intentional, right? Yeah, yeah. So out of all of the things that we've talked about, and we kind of bounced around a little bit, and there's some really incredible things that you said just in little nuggets, which I'm really thankful for. But if you had to narrow it down and say, okay, before we leave, this is the one thing that I hope somebody takes away. This is the one thing that I hope somebody implements in their life. What would that one thing be? I would say uh, faith. For me, faith is a huge thing. Believing in in uh, God the Father and and Christ, you know, uh, a journey that I've taken uh, the last few years to become a Mason. Men helping men be better men, to walk upright on the level, 
to part upon the square, to have strong belief. How can you go through life and not have something more powerful than you? You know, I don't know when people have a crisis, who do they turn to? And for me, I can turn to prayer, turn to meditation to my father, and I can turn to close, strong men relationships that only want to see me succeed. They want to see me be the better version of myself. And I genuinely want you and the guys I'm with to be better versions of themselves. So I think we're honest. We say hard conversations sometimes. How's that sound? (laughs) Well, I, I, and again, I know you deeply and uh, we've shared some really great times together. We've communicated back and forth in many different ways. And for me, when I look at our story and the way that we've kind of woven together, I can truly say that we have developed that community. And what's interesting is all of the things that, because we obviously work together on many different things and all the things that the world would say are your successes are not any of the things that we've just talked about. We're not talking about any of the really awesome things that you have done from a business standpoint. We've talked about all of the things that you look at and are going to say, these are going to be the impact for the rest of my life. And it's because success, Tim, success is what other people judge you by. You might look at me and see me and think I'm successful, right? That's the metric the rest of the world uses to say, Tim, Mark, you are successful businessmen. I want to live a satisfied life. I want to lay my head down at night and know that, man, it was a good day. And God willing, I get another one tomorrow, right? So for me, it's not about success. It's about satisfaction. And I think that right there summarizes the narrative that you're building, the narrative that you're writing. That right there is what it is. And I love that about you. And I appreciate that about you. So if if somebody wanted to connect with you, somebody wanted to, to, you know, just find a way to to learn more about you, how how would they, how would they go about other than going into Jay's and finding you and talking to you, which I know many individuals do. Sometimes that's the best way to have a good conversation with me. Because you know, I know you're willing to take time out of your day to do that. So if you're in Gaylord and you stop by Jay's and Mark is there, I guarantee you, he will take time to stop and talk with you. That's that's face-to-face, but what is a like electronic way to be able to get in contact with you? Best way to reach out to me would be uh, mcopeland at jsportinggoods.com. That's my business email. Goods is a small family company, two big 100,000 square foot stores that started in a one-car garage. The great American success story, if you will. But even today, they care more about making sure that we impact or we enhance that outdoor experience for someone else and and knowing how i grew up in the outdoors and i traveled and experienced those things i get to talk about it and do it and live it every day right so my personal email is uh, michiganarchery at gmail.com or mcopeland at jsportinggoods.com and i would love to engage with anybody help me be a better person and uh you know love it life absolutely love it yeah. So if you didn't pick those up, we'll definitely get those in the notes. It'll be down in the bottom. If you're listening to this on a podcast, man, go back and listen to some of the other stories because they are just just as good as Mark's. And we all have these different stories that we weave together. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit a like down there. If you're watching on Instagram, follow us. All of the great things that we do because we're going to continue to produce stories like this. So Mark, thank you. Appreciate this more than you know. It truly is an impact. And the last thing, and I say this every time, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If there was something that either Mark or myself said, and it has changed or impacted you or meant something to you, we want to hear from you. And and I know Mark's heart and I know my heart, and I know that those things are what motivate us in a way that 
I, I can't even express how gratifying that is and fulfilling that is just for you guys to reach back out. So I've heard from many the impact that we're having, and I appreciate that, and I love it. So until next time, keep writing your story, keep crafting your narrative, and we'll see you on the next episode. And Tim, get outside and take somebody with you. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. We'll see you guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.